The Texas Longhorns are the NCAA champions. Their third NCAA title, first since 1995. And it was a freshman who had never been in that situation before, Lulu Sun, who sealed the title. When Lulu won the final point, it was a little bit of disbelief, um, elation and disbelief, because you can throw together six of the best players out there in the country, and you just guaranteed nothing. You know, North Carolina were probably the favorite. They had a 48-match uh, win streak going into yesterday, and so you just never guaranteed anything. I just had a good sense that, and again, this is not a scientific word, but the juju of this team was very good. Um, and I felt like one way or the other, we'd get over the line today. But the idea that we'd actually get to the final with the obstacles and the difficulty and the inexperience, it, it really is a, a pretty remarkable dream, really. I mean, yeah, having five freshmen in the lineup, it's really cool because, you know, next year, we're gaining, you know, two more freshmen, the twins, and we can accomplish this again. Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source. Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast to Burn Orange Nation. You can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find major podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, The Longhorn Republic, or you can shoot us an email, The Longhorn Republic Pod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by the co host of the internet's only Texas tennis podcast, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? You know, we really came in uh, at a wonderful time to earn that moniker or to, you know, obviously self style uh, ourselves with that. Uh, that moniker, but we have yet to, to have any pushback from the internet's second uh, tennis podcast, uh, Texas tennis podcast. But uh, yeah, so so pretty good time because uh, we have had a, a, a men's national championship and uh, we're going to talk about a, a new national championship. Uh, so it's a pretty good time to be uh, top 10 Texas tennis. That's that's four T's, folks. Um, all four. We've, we've been three up to this point, uh, but we're adding the, te- the tennis tag on. So top 10 Texas tennis all over the place, including... Numero uno, Gerald. Holding up the national championship trophy after beating number five, Pepperdine, four to three. The the Pepperdine Peppers, right? That's their mascot. Upset UNC, the number <laughs> one team in the country. Praise the Lord. I'm not mad that that happened. Uh, Texas took it down to the wire. Freshmen had the reins. And the kids are all right, Kyle. So Texas had to, had to, had to win the final one. And it went down to tie breaks after tie breaks after tie breaks. And you thought it was going to happen. But Texas came out on top. The second toughest match they've had all year, I think, uh, after their only loss of the season against the aforementioned number one North Carolina Tar Heels, who came from behind to win the February 7th matchup 4-3. to three. Texas closes the season on a 24-match winning streak. 
including one, two, three, four, five, six straight in the tournament. Kyle, these ladies crushed it. This was an incredible run in this tournament. Um, I mean, it, they swept uh, four teams, had a 4-1 victory, and, and then really got to the end, and it was Pepperdine. Kind of surprisingly, I think we all hyped this up and, and on this very podcast talked about the the, the – uh, probability, likelihood, potential uh, for a rematch. It's similar to Gonzaga Baylor, right? They were supposed to play in the beginning, except COVID denied us that, and then they ended up meeting up all year one and two. Everyone knew they were the two best teams in the national championship, except in this one, I got to the very end, and Pepperdine crashed the party. Good for them. Um, but unfortunately, they did not uh, Pepperdine give any awards to their distinguished alumnus. Uh, I don't know if everyone knows UT's coach Howard Joffe was an All-American uh, at Pepperdine in his playing days, but uh, he he clearly chose his new new flame out over his his alma mater because he led uh, the Horns to a a beautiful, wonderful, hard fought. Uh, I mean, it was great. Even even the casual fan who may not you know particularly follow tennis and 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 just likes UT probably had just a ton of fun watching it. It was just good good drama filled uh tennis and Lulu Sun will will have a, a call as you heard in the the intro to this podcast that will will live uh forever in infamy and that's cool man that's it's 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 really great. I love the journey. I love the team and the crazy thing here Gerald that I think more than anything, is that this is a team full of freshmen. Four out of their six best, some could argue five, um, they often played a fifth freshman, but at least four of their six uh, most frequent contributors to a national championship team are freshmen. Um, they're going to be back. Uh, the, the the MOP uh, of this tournament, uh, you know, the most outstanding uh, performer, uh, was Peyton Stearns, who is a freshman. She was the number one recruit in the nation, but she came in and lived up to the hype. Um, this is the type of stuff, like if this was, we were talking about basketball, she would go into the draft next year because she's just already one of the best players in college as, again, a freshman. So this team has a ton, and a lot of these uh, these teams they beat or had hanging around them in this tournament don't necessarily have the youth that they have. They were pretty much the youngest team in the tournament as well. So you don't often line those two things up. Um, but it's looking it's looking pretty for Coach Joffe right now. Well, when you heard Peyton in the intro mention that they're adding the Twins next year. Yeah. The twins. Yeah. Two of the top recruits in the country just coming to bolster that young core. Uh, Howard Joffe has done an incredible job after leaving the – the wasteland of college station to come to Austin to let he, he said this in his, like I'm leaving. It's like, I'm a 40 year old man. And my girlfriend lives in Austin. Like I'm cool with that. Yep. Like great. You know what? The scenery is great in Austin. Apparently the love life is great in Austin too, <laughs> because it brought us a national championship winning coach. He also said that his prospects for winning were also better in Austin, <laughs> which the, the, the caliber of athlete that you can recruit, especially in the country right. club sports, let's not mince words here, uh, to the University of Texas is really, really high. And so um, Texas lost to Tarati, but they gained a championship out of this. And you know what? We're, we want to take our hats off to, to the seniors on the squad, Fernanda Lebrania um, and Anna Tarati, um, after her sister decided to forego the extra year. Uh, but this is Texas's second national championship of the athletic year which ties them for the most in the country with several kyle still in play for the year that's crazy that's the craziest part is is there are legitimate chances for one two i mean you could you could you could probably uh even say three uh realistically it would not be a crazy stretch uh not that they'll get all of those but we're competing for i mean 
just just pause and, and think about how much the the electric bill is going to be on the tower. I hope they're using uh, energy ogre. Texas is deregulated. I'm not going to get into uh, ERCOT or anything there, but hopefully, you know, this isn't affecting the grid. How much power we are directly siphoning to keep the tower perpetually and constantly lit. Um, yeah, I, I really hope UT is getting a good good energy deal. Maybe maybe they equalize their their uh, their electricity billing so they don't get hit heavy this month because there's a spike of a whole lot of orange in the middle of campus. Literally, as we're recording, it's lit up for the track conference championships two weeks ago. There's a backlog <laughs> of how much orange needs to go on that tower. But you know what? They could probably attach a couple of jumper cables to my ears with how hype I am, and I could generate <laughs> the power to keep things going. Because this weekend was a big weekend. Baseball also got to hoist some hardware thanks to um, one of our most hated teams on the planet, Kansas State. We'll come to them in just a moment. But... Texas won two out of three over West Virginia after some questionable uh, officiating on Thursday night. Probably could have been a sweep, but that's fine. Um, But they secured a bye for the Big 12 tournament thanks to their overall record and series win against TCU, who gets a share of the Big 12 tournament. But there's only one team that has a little one next to their number when uh, when they get together in Oklahoma City. That's absolutely right. I, I I think I actually would not. I mean, Friday night or excuse me, Thursday night because this is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Thursday night, um, the first game, um, I I was pretty pretty salty about losing that one five four. Just felt like I thought they were going to be rusty after having two weeks off, but it was less rust and more luck. They just couldn't. They had no luck. Everything, every ball bounced against them. Every call seemed to go against them. There was like a lot of inconsistencies in the strike zone, and you had guys striking out with bases loaded on a really questionable call. There was a double play with bases loaded that was just like, man, if that ball goes anywhere else in the park, it's a, it's you know it's a run and one out at worst. But uh, it, it just it was tough. And then you know, obviously the, the the call where they overturned the play at the plate. But I would not have changed a thing now that I've seen the way it played out because there was no way for it to be more painful for TCU fans than for it to happen <laughs> how it did. Like, like, I don't think if you didn't watch it, there was an absolute and total meltdown. TCU lost the first uh, game and it's like, wow, okay, this UT is not dead. But the way they lost the second game, just the heartbreaking fashion, their closer has been solid. He's been nails all year. I think he's given up like eight runs all year. He gave up seven, seven in, 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 in this last inning and, and the standing ovation at it that happened at the dish as the score was read aloud and fans realized like, oh, wow. We we still have a chance. We we could win this. Was was an incredible sight uh, to see. But uh, Gerald, a bit of trivia: the person who hit the the, the monster, the the, the walk off winner for K State was uh, was the same guy who initiated the brawl uh, between Texas and Kansas State. So he went from being our most hated like villain because again I hate Kansas State more than the average UT fan to literally like a cult hero the guy helped bring us a Big 12 championship so so tip of the cap to Mr. Sabalos did you hear the quotes after the game that they're going to get him a signed jersey <laughs> it's my, I, it's that's the kind of petty trolling that you and I absolutely live for. But let's talk about the Texas baseball real fast. So again, we mentioned the Thursday the Thursday game, real questionable uh, umpiring from behind home plate. I tweeted this out that I could not figure out what the heck a ball and a strike was in those late innings. I just don't know what this guy's calling. Uh, Ty Madden had one of his um, kind of lesser outings of the year. Six innings, seven hits, uh, four earned runs, nine strikeouts, though. This yeah. is the stat that popped for me. 
Texas left 11 on base. Six of those were in scoring position, including two in the ninth with two outs on the board. So, like, there were opportunities all over that game for Texas to score. They took advantage of all of those. On Friday night, Pete Hansen um, absolutely shut down West Virginia. In spite of his three earned runs, or his two, uh, one earned run, he only faced 3.8 batters per inning. So, almost the minimum that you could face in an inning. Eric Kennedy was the big bat for Texas, hit a three-run home run in the third, and then an RBI triple in the fourth to kind of put Texas uh, really out in front, and then the rest was floodgates for them. Saturday, they actually got a run rule. First run rule of the season for base, for the baseball team, which is when you got a travel day, that th- those things can happen. Uh, Tristan Stevens also had a great outing. Uh, eight hits, three earned runs, and four uh, strikeouts. And then the, 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 odd, the oddity of how this one ended, Kyle, I think we have to call out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, quite possibly the world's first ever walk-off title-clenching run rule, because it was it was a sack fly basically that that gave them the twelve to two, the ten requisite runs to run rule them. Um, but yeah, the the walk-off sack fly run rule that clinched a trophy. I don't know if I've ever seen the run rule trophy clinch. Um, typically you think of like the dramatic walk off, you know, five, four win or something. Um, but this was, this was great. And it was so fitting. It was Zubia who did it. You know, the, the, it just seemed like, I don't know if he has put the trophy down yet. Like it felt like when other people took pictures of it, he was standing right behind like, okay, all right. Okay. Take it. I'll take it back. Like it is very much his precious and he deserves it. And uh great, great career for him. And to get to the, the big 12 championship there, um, it, that, that he really got to you know put put the exclamation point on again. There's more to be won, and I think he wants it. But uh, I think he's he's uh, he's he's feeling like a champion uh, this weekend and 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 for a while here. But yeah, just just a really nice work. I also I, I credit to I, I laughed when I I saw Danny Davis with the Statesman uh, who who you know covers uh, UT baseball, softball, and other sports, uh, but was praising Tristan Stevens his just hyper efficiency, which we have called out many times. Um, but the man, even with four pitching changes for West Virginia. Virginia, uh, was able to uh, to keep the thing under under three hours the entire game, uh, which again, if you're not a journalist, deadlines and 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 the type of thing that happened, we'll talk a little bit about in softball, um, can be utterly brutal. Like they could they could wreck your sleep schedule for a month. Uh, it just yeah, they're it's tough. Writing on a deadline is tough enough. Every time a, a late game heroic happens and and extended uh, game that cuts up against the deadline, man, it's it's brutal. <laughs> So with the win over West Virginia and TCU absolutely fumbling the bag here, uh, that sets up Texas for a solid position in the Big 12 tournament. So Texas uh, gets the bye over TCU based on the head-to-head and the overall record. So Texas gets a bye. TCU... Uh, that buy sets Texas up for a nice uh, round two matchup against either West Virginia or Kansas teams that they had zero trouble with over. And I'm just going to say zero trouble because I'm claiming Thursday as a win, claiming it, it name it, claim it. But they uh, get either one of those two not great teams. TCU at number two gets what would normally be a favorable matchup, except they've got to take on the Kansas State Wildcats once again. For the fourth time in four games, the the, the Big Twelve scriptwriters are really on one this year. This is, I mean, this this is playing out uh, as good as season two of Ted Lasso will be in a couple weeks. Um, no, this this is good. This is can't can't write this stuff. Uh, it's it's beautiful. Um, 
I just want to say I've I've talked a lot about Kansas State on this podcast. Um, this this went a long way for me in 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 you know repairing that relationship. Um, it doesn't er- erase Ron Prince, Jordy Nelson, or, or any of the other scars, but this this did go uh, a long way. And and at tip of the cap, we appreciate it. But this this Big Twelve tournament you mentioned, Texas is is uh, effectively playing for national seeding, right? Um, they have the number two ranking, the number three R- RPI, number fifteen strength of schedule. They're really well positioned. Um, we know they're going to be hosting a regional at this point. It hasn't been officially announced, you know, the, the who's going to be in it, but until after these conference tournaments, but we know they will. Um, the, the seeding will really affect if they win the regional and then will they also host a super regional because when UT does that um it, it's 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 tough and, and historically under Garrido and and, and just in general it, it's tough when UT's hosting uh in in the postseason to to get by him it's it's almost uh, a, a ticket booked to Oma I don't want to you know I'm not jinxing anything I just they, they are tough to beat at home obviously um especially in the postseason but uh you know Augie maybe had some times when it seemed like he treated the Big 12 tournament when he needed it, went all out. Pierce in that first, you know, crazy year with with Mr. Clemens, they went all out in the Big 12 tournament. When when Augie didn't necessarily need to win it all, he maybe rested a little bit more. And so we'll see what the what the strategy is going to be under Pierce, um, you know, with what arms they're using when and, and, and how, you know, if it feels like they're, they're going 120 percent or just a mere 99.9 uh, percent to, to, to win the thing. But, you know, I, I think their focus will really, truly be on the road to Omaha. Yeah. And Texas gets to take some hardware with them on the road to Omaha. Uh, biggest awards of the year go to David Pierce, his second Big 12 coach of the year in his five seasons. He probably would have won one last year, too, if COVID hadn't canceled it. So we'll go ahead again. Another one we're going to claim. We're going to play AM rules today. We'll just claim whatever <laughs> we want. So we'll call. But David Pierce had the unenvi- unenviable position of following Augie Garrido and has done really, really well in doing that. Ty Madden named pitcher of the year for his efforts. Um, Ty Madden, Tristan Stevenson, Ivan Melendez, and Mitchell Daly all came in as first-teamers. All-conference, Cam Williams, Mike Antico came in the second uh, second team. Honorable mentions were Silas Ardoin, Trey Faltini, Doug Hodo, and Zach Zubia, Pete Hansen, Aaron Nixon, and Tanner Witt on the pitching squad for the honorable mentions as well. So Texas, rightfully, after winning a conference championship, got a lot of hardware and a lot of accolades to go with it. Absolutely, and and all of it well-deserved. I, I think just the amount of players you heard, it, it feels like, if you just zoom out, like, man, that's most of the team. Um, you feel bad for the two or three guys who didn't get on one of these teams. But, no, um, seriously, I mean, that it, it's commendable. What, what a great year. What a great team, just top to bottom. There have been guys who've contributed in various games, and, and it really – is why we say, you know, Texas won two national championships and there is a realistic possibility. We'll talk about a couple of the other teams, um, but a realistic possibility that, that this baseball team could be in that hunt. Uh, you know, they, they they are hot at the right time. Just if the arms are working, if they use their home advantage with those guys you just listed, this is a dangerous team that no one in the country, SEC or otherwise, wants to face. Staying on the diamond, but heading to Red and Charlene McCombs, the softball team advances to the Super Regional after stealing one in the middle of the night over the Oregon Ducks. I say stealing one, but you know they were the top-ranked team in that regional, so it's fine. Uh, so Sunday, there was a five-hour rain delay that pushed the early game way, way, way back. Oregon won 3-2 to two in a walk-off over the eighth inning. They um, Texas tied it up in the top of the seventh with two outs, but... Because of the rain that was predicted on Monday, they didn't want 
to play that one out. And because it was just a just before the 11 p.m. you can't play softball anymore cutoff, they decided to squeeze in Game 7, and Texas came away with a one nothing win over Oregon, which finished at 1.15 in the morning. I went to sleep because the broadcast crew told me they'd be playing on Monday. I didn't know that. Woke up to some good news uh, and an incredible performance from pitcher Molly Jacobson. Yeah, actually, same. I didn't go to sleep, but I was I was uh, up late, and it, somewhere around, I don't know, 12 i was like wait why am i getting updates on twitter and so i quickly ran and caught the last couple innings but uh yeah i missed the the original part as well um crazy crazy game though i mean this had all the intrigue and drama that that we the script writers again and this time they really did script it uh thought it would in the, in the battle of, of of coach white they basically put oregon in texas bracket and everyone in the country knew they did it on purpose um and and it played out really well i mean it was basically three runs a piece scored across two games with drama all the way to the end uh of both of them um just a really like crazy hard fought battle of two really good you know honestly probably two top 15 teams give oregon their credit um and uh Oregon gave Texas literally everything they could handle up to the very end, and Texas had just enough and squeezed it out and and a gutsy, gutsy win and performance. And and um, the the reward you get for that is you get to play uh, a firecracker hot Oklahoma State team that's you know that's been able to eke out exactly those those close uh, winnable games for Texas, but Oklahoma State ends up at the end of the at the end of uh, seven. Or extras uh, a little bit ahead, so it's it's a tough matchup, but a chance for redemption. And it felt like this team really has a good belief right now in themselves. And uh, they said, uh, Coach White again, master of psychology, pulled out some stats from the old Oregon teams that actually made it to national championship game and looked at batting average, looked at on base percentage, looked at looked at uh, ERA, looked at different statistics, and said, look, statistically on paper, you're as good or probably this 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 better than that team. Don't let anyone tell you what number you are, what rank you are. You are good enough to be there this year. You are good enough to beat anyone in the country, and it feels like they believe that. The fun thing about the tournament is that what happened in the regular season, it's not that it doesn't matter, right, because it impacts your seeding, but you can make up for what happened in the regular season, and Texas is kind of getting a boost on the defensive side of things, and we saw them increasingly gain ground on Oklahoma State. The first two games were not great. The third game of that weekend series that they got swept was a 6-4 game. And then in the Big 12 tournament, it was a 3-2 game that went to nine innings. So, like, it's not like Oklahoma State is light years ahead of them. Like, I think Oklahoma is light years ahead of the entire world at this point. But Oklahoma State is a beatable team. And especially with the way Texas has been playing on the defensive side of the ball over the last couple of games. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important point to call out is Texas came in not great. That was the weakness in their game. Um, 217th, actually, nationally in fielding percentage. And in the last series, Coach White threw kind of a, a shot in the dark. And he, he said it, you know, he said the way that um, good hitting can, can you know, spread a good hitter uh, begets the next person getting hot. Um, he said errors can kind of have the same negative spread. Um, and so he threw uh, just a change out there, put freshman Camille Corona, who was not really in the plans to see starting playing time at third base this year. And she has just been the spark on the defense. Again, 217th coming in. They have two uh, errors total across all games in the Austin Regional. So already looking up there. Um, and, and just the way Corona was probably the MVP. Molly Jacobson was obviously a stud in that last game. Um, but in that last game, I mean, she had... Six fielding assists uh, against Oregon in that second game. She also did it against Texas State. 
That's UT's school record uh, in an NCAA tournament game. She did it twice um, and had the last two outs in that Oregon game um, herself and just made a really incredible double play where a ball came to her, made the tag, got the player for like just had some it, like defensive hype highlights. And I, you know, you know, love, love a little defensive highlight. So um, just, I think, again, that's where you talk about this team is better than they were a couple months ago. There is a little bit more spark. There is a little bit more belief. Um, she also has had at least, I think, two bunt, bunt singles. She just wheels on the, on the base path. So um, I like, I like adding her into the mix. And, and again, you saw pinch hitters come up really big. Uh, so, you know, you have extra bats, extra, extra wheels. You have talent in the dugout so this team is is deep and and situationally matches up well and uh you know we'll see we'll see if that 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 magic can carry him through so again texas is heading to stillwater to take on oklahoma state in the super regional hasn't been great against the cowgirls this year but texas has a shot to make all of that go away if they can win two of three against the wrong shade of orange so now's the part of the show where we whip around to somehow more sports on the 40 acres and we down the 40. So the defending national championship men's tennis team made it to the semifinals. Thanks to a win over number 12 USC and a four to three, uh, match to advance to their second consecutive semifinals um, until they ran into the buzzsaw that is the Florida Gators who swept Texas for nothing and then I believe they swept in the national championship as well just to absolutely crush the competition um, but on the individual side of things Elliot Spaziri is in the round of 32 for the individual or the singles championships uh, CM Oladab and, and Spaziri himself were in the tournament for the national doubles but ended their season on a uh, they actually went to a tiebreaker and lost, ending their season with a 24 and 10 record. Yeah, a a, a tough way to end it. Um, but again, a, a very very young team. You're looking at almost not quite as much because you have some sophomores mixed in there. But what you have on the women's side, again, one of the youngest teams to make the the tournament at all, and certainly the youngest in the final four. Florida use, loses a lot of of theirs. Baylor loses a lot of their talent. So the the men are are very very much very much set up to have some more runs. Uh, they lost to the nat- the eventual champion, so there's no shame in that. Um, it seems right now we're in the weird spot in the University of Texas. It's like, oh, a top four finish. Okay, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, we're talking about what an incredible run uh, this was, and truly it was. I mean, Bruce Burke, another of the Crystal Conti hires, and you're, we've, we've talked about uh, a bunch of them so far already. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's that's right now the, the spirit on the University of Texas sports is, is top four is good. It's great. We can do better, right? I mean, that and that's great. I love that. That's that's how we're sitting here feeling. Absolutely. Speaking of, we can do better. Lulu Sun is not content to just win a team national championship for the Longhorns. She and teammate Kylie Collins are in the round of sixteen in the doubles championship on the women's side. We'll be following them uh, as we go. And again, that's two freshmen right there in your top 16 doubles. That's two freshmen, uh, part of that incredible number one recruiting class a couple years ago. So uh, the future, I've said it a few times already, the future is very, very bright. On the golf course, the men won the Noblesville Invitational to advance to the NCAA championship in Scottsdale, Arizona. They finished five under as a team. Parker Cootie tied fifth in the regional with a six under thanks to his season low uh, five under on his Wednesday round, and they'll open the championships this weekend out in the desert. 
Absolutely. And, and then it's going to be good. And we talked about how Cole Hammer was as hot as anyone in the country last week. And he actually had his last round at that was, was one of his worst we've seen. And I have a strong feeling he's about to bounce back. Um, and it just shows Texas won comfortably, even with that. And I feel like if they can carry that momentum into the tournament, they are they are well positioned. Probably not a team that a couple months ago anyone was, was looking over their shoulder worrying about uh, entering into that national title conversation. But I would not sleep on the men's golf team this year. All it takes is to get hot at the right time, which the women's golf team has been pretty hot all year, but they're getting hot as well. Uh, They made the first two cuts of the NCAA tournament. How it works is top 15 teams get cut, uh, get make the cut, the first cut, and then the top eight teams make the second cut to advance to match play. So they finished fifth in that stroke play. And now they're moving to the match play tournament where anything can happen. If you're a Texas fan, you remember that was a negative force a couple years back. Could be a positive this year. That's right. Yeah, it built up a big lead, and then kind of like what Stanford did. You spend all that energy getting the lead, and then it goes to match play. Uh, it's it's almost – I mean, it's not a different sport, but uh, it is if you've played golf, match play and stroke play are just very, very different in the strategy and how you do them. And so, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be curious to see if Texas can uh, can can do what was done to them a couple years ago and, and, and beat a higher-seeded team in match play and, uh, and ride that momentum all the way. So, Jared, let's take a look now at the entire world – that the 40 acres touches through our lenses of burnt orange and the burnt orange lenses section. And we're going to start with the announcement that came out this week, I believe just yesterday, maybe uh, the Texas sports is returning to 100% capacity for outdoor sports. That is great for um, obviously a, a regional that you may be hosting. And it's great for uh, football coming up. It's great generally just to think about fans being back a part of the experience and how ravenous, hopefully they, they will be, um, that could be a really incredible home home field advantage uh, coming up. But uh, what do you think about that? You know what? The pictures of graduation of the South End Zone look real, real cool. So uh, let's get some night games going at at, uh, at DKR and and uh, light up that Longhorn in the South Side. I love that. Yeah the uh, the graduation again. Congrats to any any of the the students listening to this who who recently uh, recently became graduates. Turned that ring around if you have a UT ring and uh, and considered yourself a texas x so um yeah congrats to all of them by the way big the weekend that was huge for ut sports was huge for ut in general poor poor coordinator who had to uh schedule all the various fireworks and tower lightings but uh so one one thing that i think we want to talk about here gerald um that happened in the the realm of 40 acres we talked about graduates now we're talking a little about guys who are coming to ut soon and the name that has been on the twitter's uh, lately is Jaden Blue. Of course, uh, a week ago I would have said that, and you would have said, yes, incredible running back. He's should be the number one across all recruiting sites. He's so good. He's probably underrated you know, a little bit because his, his team isn't the best in the, in the state of Texas. Um, but now, Jaden Blue has been, been the topic of conversation because he did something I think that's a little bit unusual. Uh, we live in an unusual time right now anyways, uh, but he has effectively opted out for his senior year um, of playing at Klein Kane High School. Gerald, what, I mean, what's your initial thought on this? So I, we're never ones to fault a kid for doing what they think is best, right? Like, that's not us, ever. And Jaden Blue, and there's all talks about why this happened, you know, whatever relationship with teammates, players, whatever, we're not going to get into that. It, the decision he made is he's not going to play football his senior year. He's going to focus on school so he can graduate early. 
and then and then train in his free time so he can excel. And he said, you know, my goal is to play in the NFL and my goal is to continue my athletic career and my academic career. And you know what? He's saying all the right things and, and people can be upset about it. My my opinion is my, if your last name isn't blue or you're not paying that young man's bills and you really don't have a ton of room or a leg to stand on when it comes to having an opinion about it. But from, from a football standpoint, running backs have a shelf life. And the number of hits that you don't take is just another couple of years on your career. And so if he's a guy who wants to play at the next level and beyond, it's not a bad decision from a business standpoint. Now, again, you could talk about whether or not a 17-year-old should be making a business decision, but that's his and his family's choice. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, there, there were some things that, that that he thought and said and, 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 and made stances on last year that, that we didn't necessarily agree with. But Tom Herman was... 1000% correct when his justification of not giving Bijan carries again, not in that decision, but in his justification was that, Hey, these kids start taking 200 carries at 15. They're taking a hundred some odd hits. They're taking practice hits running back of all positions has a shelf life. That's directly, literally what Herman said about his rotation and how he kind of justified and said, look, we're going to get a top recruit like Bijan and we're going to give Keontae carries. And we, we have Roshan there. And, and again, We've talked and we can talk when we do our previews about what that distribution might ideally look like, but he's right. That position at running back, like you said, it, it does require a business decision probably more than any other. And again, I hate to say this, but I feel like if his high school team was winning 10 games a year and competing for state championships and there was that um, you know, potential that 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 even with one of the best running backs in, in the country, if not the best running back in the country, they they weren't able to achieve with the kind of talent around him. Whether they're your best friends or not, if y'all are winning six games, you know, it's like, ah, could, maybe we get it up to seven, maybe even eight, you know, but you're not winning a state title at that kind of level. And so, again, I understand the calculus that's going through his mind. And, and similar to you, Gerald, I, I, I can't say that I completely disagree with him. Like and and say what you want about me or my parenting, but like, if my if my son, I have two, I have two sons, right? The Lord has blessed me with two boys, and if either one of them is is has secured a scholarship to their dream school to play sports, and they're like, "Hey, Dad, I don't know if I want to risk an injury my senior year. Can I not play and focus on academics?" I'm like, I, the question I'm asking is, do you want to homeschool? So we could like speed yeah. this up and give you more time to focus on training. Like <laughs> that's just my like my wife has yeah. my wife is an educator by trade. Like that's what she does. So like I have that built in advantage. But like sure. I'm not mad at the kid for making a decision because if he plays and gets run 26 times a game and blows a knee, all that's gone. All of it's everything is gone. I, I won't drive it in the ground anymore, but I mean, just think about the case of Jonathan Gray, probably the greatest statistical running back in the history of high school football in any state, anywhere in the country. When he came at UT, he was an unmissable five-star recruit. His numbers were ungodly, unreal, unbelievable, but also he had like 500 carries his senior year. They literally drove him into the ground. He got an injury in college and he never was able to live up to that hype because the, the the odometer was already so kicked in on the kid when he arrived at college. And, and, and I don't know, I, to me, that's just a cautionary tale and a cautionary tale. that's literally played out over the 40 acres. You think a healthy Jonathan Gray could have added a win or two to any of those seasons at UT when he was on campus. Um, you know, I, I 
I would think so. Uh, so you know, it, it it directly has affected the University of Texas. So I, I I'm a little baffled when people are taking you know are, are choosing to virtue signal in the other way of you know calling him a quitter or whatever. I, I just I, I just truly don't understand it. So Jaden, know that you have two people on this podcast who support you and are ready to support you vigorously uh, once you especially come onto the forty acres and uh, and you know rush for thousands of yards in the burn orange. All right, let's keep it moving, Gerald. Um, we have some NBA to talk about, a little bit of Longhorns in the playoffs. Um, there's three Longhorns currently playing, uh, two coaches also, um, and uh, three of those Longhorns are in the same series. Obviously, the Nets and Celtics have three of them. Kevin Durant, uh, people forget Royal Ivy's still on that coaching staff of the Nets, but Kevin Durant facing off against Tristan Thompson. Um, Kevin Durant seemed to have won. Uh, the first round uh, um, he actually just went all the way out and uh, he put up a pretty good first game and in, in the process passed Tony Parker for ninth all-time in playoff scoring with 4,047 points he's the only active player on the list behind LeBron who is actually number one um, some legendary names still ahead of him but hey he he's the one moving up uh, MJ Kareem Kobe Shaq Tim Duncan Carl Malone Jerry West are the people separating between him uh, and LeBron at the top, so uh, we'll only go higher, but top, always, he was top 10, now t- number 9, uh, so really hyped for Kevin Durant, that was 32 points that he scored in that first one, the Nets won 104-93, um, Tristan Thompson uh, played in that one, they each got, got double-digit rebounds, he did not have 32 points, but he had 10 rebounds, Durant had 12, uh, only two players there with double digits, Gerald, did you uh, did you catch any of that Longhorn on Longhorn action? I did not, unfortunately. I get it. Well, if you didn't catch that, I at least hope you caught the press conference where they interviewed Tristan Thompson before game two. <laughs> um, we all if put not, on our, our socks and shoes. Ah, uh, you got it. Dang it. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to quiz you here. The quote, I mean, listen, give a team with Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, uh, credit. You better step on the court feeling good about yourself. They asked him about swagger. Uh, and then he said, but we don't give a shoot. Uh, about that, and I was going to ask you which of uh, the three I had lined up. They don't put their socks on one, or they put their socks on one foot at a time like we do. They put their pants on one leg at a time like we do, or they eat their SpaghettiOs one meatball at a time like we do. And I was hoping I might have gotten you with the SpaghettiOs one, but, uh, you know, you, you, you heard it, so... There we go. But hopefully, folks, listeners uh, at home, take that and quiz your, your cliches with your, your closest pals. P.J. Tucker, also playing for the Milwaukee Bucks, actually playing right now when we're recording this in Game 2, uh, played 18 minutes in the overtime win in Game 1 against uh, the Heat. I believe uh, they are up 30-some-odd right now in the third quarter, uh, just putting the hurting on them in Get Game 2. Get him a two. body T- bag! <laughs> Tucker uh, has played a, a good chunk of that. I think he's played 10 or 11 minutes. Uh, not putting up the huge stats, but the, his role on that team especially is just kind of being the glue, the tenacity, the defense, the rebounding, um, and, and, and piecing the, the stars uh, together. So, you know, this could be a team that he has a good run with. And then the final one, Matt Hill is the fifth Longhorn. I had to look this up. I didn't even know. Actually, is an assistant on the Atlanta Hawks, and they won game one on a buzzer beater over the New York Knicks. Uh, Trey Young was the guy. We won't talk about him, but we will talk about how probably Coach Matt Hill drew the playoff. I don't know that to be true, but I'm going to assume it was. I mean, I feel weird because I kind of like Trey Young, but also like... <laughs> I know, I know. I don't like Trey Young for obvious reasons. Same way I, I felt about Blake Griffin post-OU. 
it is maybe it's maybe the the football of OU you know stink stays on a little bit longer the basketball OU stink seems to really wash off you get out of Norman They're take a good hot well. long yeah and you get a good hot long shower and it just it kind of that red dirt there washes off a little easier because I do love Blake Griffin and Trey Young both actually uh, as much as I'm not supposed to admit that all right on to the links Scotty Scheffler was the top Longhorn finished eighth at the PGA Championship. Uh, uh, Spieth had a, I think he was 17th or he, he, had, a, he had a bad last day. He dropped uh, quite a few places, but uh, Scheffler in the top 10 of the PGA championship as a sophomore just continues to really make his presence felt. Um, and then um, Gerald, I'm not one to be petty. You know that about me. Um, the, uh, the Texas A&M, while we were talking all that baseball, probably we know many, many Aggies listen to this podcast because again, they want to talk about Texas sports. Obviously you talk about UT. Um, they had nothing to talk about with baseball because they, you know, they didn't even make their conference baseball tournament. Um, and in fact, they didn't make the basketball postseason tournament, not even the, the NIT basketball conference tournament. So Gerald, do you have any, do you have any warm, cuddly, considerate thoughts to make our, our, our Aggie listeners who, again, I'm sure they listen to this podcast feel better. You know, the weather's been a little dreary and it's a perfect, type of weather to you know put on a pot of a chili or soup something something to warm you up put something on on netflix or grab your favorite book and just curl up with your favorite l to keep you warm hold that l to keep you warm for all eternity i love it i love it okay i i was gonna skip it because that was so beautiful but i have a ridiculous one you said the pepperdine peppers and i laughed because i've always associated pepperdine with peppermints but as soon as you said that i started thinking and i'm going to give my top five ranking all time of peppers and i want you to tell me uh how you how good you think my my list is all right so just do it okay i was gonna say honorable mention he did not make it uh outside the list jabril um Peppers. Uh, number five, the Beatles, Sergeant Pepper, uh, Lonely Hearts. Uh, at number four, Jalapeno Pepper. Because come on, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna then go with Pepper Spray because I think that has saved a lot of people. The Red Hot Chili of Peppers. And did I get five there? Maybe I missed one. Maybe I missed one. Either way, I'm not high on my Scovilles, but I'm going to put the Pepperdine peppers uh where i did almost apply for law school when i was thinking about going that route because the law school opens up to the beach on uh the back of the school uh because they are an ocean campus and and if they want to have me ever come out and do a podcast live from pepperdine i will put the pepperdine peppers at number one on my peppers list it's good it's solid um i'm almost i'm my dad's from the caribbean so i'm always a fan of scotch bonnet pepper as well yeah yeah. Um, also, you know, a good chipotle pepper if you're liking like a little smoky flavor. Just, just depends on your preference, Kyle. I, I love it. The one pepper that I, I forgot that I meant to add to my list, my number, my number two between Red Hot and and uh, Pepperdine, of course, is uh, pepperoni. Pepperoni. Mm, solid. <laughs> All right, that's it for me, Gerald. Let's take a look at the Godzilla trial. What did you watch on your giant screen this week? So nothing of like great note to watch. Uh, Zack Snyder's latest thing army of the dead on netflix which is two and a half hours of honestly this is going to sound weird but uh there wasn't enough zombie killing in a movie called army of the dead like Zack snyder i i watch your movies for the action i don't necessarily watch them for anything else you give me army of the dead there was some cool stuff in there dave batista running atop uh roulette tables 
Um, shooting zombies, super cool. Takes place in Vegas. They just didn't do enough like Vegasy stuff for me as well. Like the opening, like credits, did some really cool Vegasy stuff. You had um, the sh- the show tunes lounge singer being attacked by his backup dancers, and it was like it was just fun. It was dumb, and then it got like stayed the same amount of dumb, but didn't get any more fun as the two and a half hours crawled along. So whatever, it's fine. Um, and then I watched MODOK on Hulu, which is a uh, like sitcom, kind of a wacky, absurdist sitcom about a wacky, absurd Marvel uh, villain. It's Patton Oswalt is voicing the lead in that. Oh, it's got nice. some really uh, solid voice acting. If you're into like early 2000s adult swim style comedy. So if you think of like uh, robot chicken or aqua teen hunger force, that type of stuff, if that's your brand of comedy, then it's pretty funny. It's pretty solid. Patton Oswalt slays me. They make some really make some jokes that appeal to me. But again, if it's not your thing, then you could skip it because it's going to not be a lot of people's thing. That's okay. I, you know, I, I, I've, I've never been the big uh, zombie guy. So I, I, I may not see the army of the dead, but Gerald, I, I was telling someone this week, we had a, a listener who came up and, 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 and said, Hey, I, I listen each week and I take my notes out when, when you and Gerald, uh, give your recommendations. And I said, yeah, we're very different. Gerald and I kind of diverge and we, you know, we, we cover each of the flanks. Um, but I, I asked him, um, I said, well, have you listened, you know, have you watched or, or taken any of these recommendations in? And you would not believe the one that he said, he's like, Oh, we loved. Do you want to guess? Cause I don't think you will ever guess this. I, I, I've got nothing. <laughs> he said, we loved the Selena show. And I was like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I forgot we talked about that, but for sure, you know, quarantine, I've just consumed Great. so much. But yeah, that is a fantastic show. Um, and obviously, again, you're Texas folks, we, we get it. He was a little bit older than us. I think he, he lived through uh, the Selena time when he was really, really old enough to appreciate it. But uh, yeah, shouts to, uh, to, to our, our friends and, 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 and longtime listener who uh, appreciated the Selena recommendation. I hope all of you who don't necessarily let us know which of these worked for you will let us know or, or just keep it to yourselves. But I hope you are getting um, some joy there. So this week... I went on the recommendation of my wife and started a new HBO show. She has watched it, but she wanted to watch it with me. Um, it's a comedy called Search Party. And I will say, this, um, this I don't know if this podcast audience, and I'm not going to speak for our whole demographic, will necessarily overlap 100%. But if you try it out, it's funny. It really is a show kind of mocking... Um, millennials like it's 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 really it's set in new york it's looking at these kind of incredibly self-absorbed 20 somethings and basically the whole thing is this person they went to college with a few years back there a few years post-college has gone missing and like one of the characters gets really obsessed with it because it's like it's important and it's social media and it, and it gives life meaning um and it's like i loved her i passed her in the hall once you know and then some people are just like oh my god that's so bad someone's dead but like oh um waiter you missed my order like it's just it, it really plays on how vapid and self-absorbed and 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 it's kind of funny interesting and it also has uh maybe from arrested development is the main character uh that actress and and she kind of is rocking what i would call a patrick mahomes look throughout a lot of this which i didn't realize until i i googled the poster and i was like yeah yeah i see that um but yeah, i love her i haven't seen her uh in 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 nearly um enough so i'm glad that that she is uh getting some run that's alia uh shakat i believe is how you say her last name um but uh yeah it's it's pretty funny i will say i've only probably watched four episodes i think so far, my wife truly loved it. I think it's four seasons and loved it on her first watch. Um, I think it later gets a little bit just more absurd, but it really, again, focuses on um, 
kind of parody and satire of the millennials, which I, I think I technically fall in part of that group. So, uh, so yeah, so I think me, us, uh, that is who it's making fun of. And I, I am not above self-satire, so I, I am enjoying that aspect of it. If you had just recommended it, I probably wouldn't watch it. But because your wife also recommended it, I will actually watch just so I can give her credit rather than giving you credit. When I, I like enjoy that. It. That's part of our friendship, Kyle. <laughs> For sure. But now it brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? When I throw these names out, I probably can say one, and our listeners will start repeating the next because it's just a very linear, you think of these in the same breath and conversation. Dikembe Mutombo, Grant Hill, Prince Ebay. J. Cole. What? Um, no, no, you never think of this group of human beings in the same collection or thought. Um, but there's a beautiful thing that the NBA has done. They they have launched, and it's been in the works for a while, the BAL, the Basketball Africa League. Um, and and it has been really interesting, um, the, the amount of Longhorns who are taking part in it, uh, Mike Cabongo, uh, Cam Ridley, uh, Holland, there's a, there's, a, there's a few Texas X's who are in there. There's a couple college names who you might remember if you look at all the teams that are around it. Um, but it, it is very cool because Prince Ebay is a guy who's played in a ton of different leagues trying. His story in general is very cool. If you remember from when he was here on the 40 Acres and his connection to uh, the Spurs general manager and kind of the family connection and how he got to UT um, but just his story now he's going through through uh, injury issues but he's London um, born from Rwanda originally and so playing in the the kind of inaugural African League is just so cool um, but yeah his teammate is one Jermaine Cole who again is hit recording artist J dot Cole um, kids of probably I would say, I think the Youngs like J. Cole. I'm going to put it anywhere from 22 to like 32 um, are huge stands uh, predominantly of, of J. Cole. I won't leave my takes on the rapping side here, but he's he's always plays in celebrity basketball games, and people have like noticed, like, wait, he's actually a, a pretty good basketball player. I think he may have even played at least high school, if not college, but I don't think he played college, but uh, had, the, had, the, had the tools to. But anyways, they are teammates uh, together. Um, and so it's just cool. I don't know, uh, how you stream it or watch it, but I'm going to be doing that research and we should all, uh, we should all be watching a little bit to, to see DeMarcus Holland and Prince eBay and, and J Cole play in the basketball Africa league. Uh, J Cole graduated from St. John magna cum laude in 2007, did not play basketball as a communication and business degree. Amazing. I don't know what to say other than, like, uh, J. Cole is in that. I, I don't know if the kids like J. Cole, but I feel like my, people my age, like, the the people that like, it's like smart, boring rap is the best way I could describe it, and I love it. It's perfect for me. I, I grew up listening to that. And, and yesterday he had his uh, sixth straight number one album uh, come out. So either, even if it's on the back of the, the Basketball Africa League uh, streams, um, which, again, wonderful, brilliant marketing ploy, if, if so. Uh, but if not, uh, you know, dude, can, dude can, can sling a rhyme. More number one albums, more professional points scored than both of us put together, Kyle. <laughs> what, who are we to judge? So I'm banging the drum this week. On the most random set of words I've ever put together, but former SMU punter and Pro Kick Australia alum James Sackville 
created an app that's designed to help kids get recruited. He kind of um, described it as a mix of LinkedIn and Bumble, which is just, again, a set of words that I don't know if need to go together. But uh, it's a really cool opportunity because he's uh, it's not just like, here are my measurables. Here is my huddle film. But it allows kids to post like, here's me doing a three cone. Here's me actually punting. Here's me doing a drill from multiple angles. And so uh, the, the players can kind of get out there and get their own exposure. And the coaches can honestly, there's like, they can build like their own little algorithm of the type of players that they're looking for. And so, you know, you and I went, went to school with some guys that would have benefited from something like this, who, you know, they weren't the big name recruits. They weren't, um, the guys who were getting the, the D one attention and they didn't necessarily get the scholarships that they probably could and should have based upon their talent level. But again, 17, 20 years later, now there's some, there's some kids that are going to get looks from a school, maybe across the country, maybe that they never even thought of because of this app. And so, um, it's called athletes in recruiting AIR. And again, anytime I can mention pro kick Australia on this podcast, it's a, it's a welcome, uh, <laughs> as the foremost kicking and punting podcast on the internet. Uh, we're, we're here to mention that as well. I love it. And shouts to our boy Julian Peterman, who did play high school football with us and went the long, hard way of walking on to the UT team and, and just in time to win a national championship. Um, so always shout him out when I get uh, the chance. But you're right. Maybe he could have benefited from uh, from this app. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, I'll be curious to see. There's probably going to be some school somewhere who gets really smart about this early and, like, you know, does it, does it well, um, like, you know, some – Oakland A's equivalent Moneyball analytics person from you know Florida International who just starts landing gems and it's like wait how are they doing this? Um, but no, that, that, that's that's very cool. But Gerald, I need to pause us because we are at bang the drum. We're effectively through, and we did not talk about probably our most likely team to win our third national championship this year. Gerald, number one rowing is competing this weekend starting May 28th through the 30th at the NCAA Championships, and we left it out of down the 40, and I would feel terrible. We, we would have to record a whole separate rowing podcast to preview that had we not gotten in the fact that they are competing in Sarasota, Florida this weekend for national championships, and they just recently were ranked, took that number one spot, ranked number one for the first time in program history, and just for good measure, it came out yesterday that, um, you know... Uh, Anna Jensen was chosen as the new newcomer, Dave O'Neill, Coach of the Year, and also uh, we all knew Alexander Watson, obviously Big 12 Rower of the Year. So rowing, go get that natty. Boats in the water, hopefully bringing home Texas's third national championship of the academic year. But that's all we've got for you this week, Kyle. Where can good folks find you on the internet? I don't know if you meant to do it, but I heard you singing boats on the or saying boats in the water to the tune of smoke on the water. And I heard dan dan dan. Anyways, um just a free tidbit. Rights I know free, the Kyle, rights free. <laughs> I know the I know the, the the rowing folks listen to this podcast. Uh, if you've made it all the way this far, feel free to use that as your theme song. Um anyways, you can find follow me with takes just as good as those on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter or the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at G.H. Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook him. Hook him. Boats on the water.